Righto, so here we are on a Monday and I'm in Japan, but then we have a guest, uh, Jocelyn in France. Jocelyn, how are you going? Uh, good, thank you. What about you? I'm really good, mate. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's five five in the afternoon. It's nine in the morning over there. So you're waking up. I'm <laughs> yes. I'm sort of winding down the day. So uh, yeah, mate. But thank you again for um, you know saying that you wanted to come on and, and agreeing to come on, and and that's that's really nice to hear uh, again from another another person I've I've known through Facebook for quite some time, and now very active in the fourth edition side of the community. So yes. Um, yeah, fourth edition is my thing indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I have a great love of fourth edition as it's for many of us that was our first edition, really real edition to get into Warhammer and play it and get the minis and rules and everything in the box. Um, it sort of it, made, it sort of had this kind of blueprint for every other edition that sort of followed, um, which absolutely. I only found really recently that having listened to Rick Priestley in an interview, that's Epic Space Marine was kind of the first big box game. And then Warhammer was a natural evolution of that. They thought, okay, we'll have the same big box, loads of minis, terrain, dice, all the rules and everything in it in one big box. So thanks to Epic Space Marine, that's where, um, that's, that's why Warhammer became the same kind of format. I didn't know about that. I, I didn't know. I've, I've always considered fourth edition and just like uh, 40k second edition as being their first modern uh, editions in the way that in my, in my view, uh, first, second and third edition are rather proto um, Warhammer in the sense that it's more like mass role playing game rather than actual wargaming. No real um, army books, no real army lists either. You know, it was a bit more like free-spirited. But fourth edition would be the first really structured with army books, army lists. Um, it's, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that uh, Epic Space Marine um, paved the way for that. Yeah, it was a really interesting interview. If you haven't heard it, uh, Jocelyn and other people want to listen to it, go to Cast Dice. It's a podcast run by our good mate Brad Bradley. And um, All right. he has interviewed Rick, I think, on three occasions. And I think they did like wrote, they covered Road Trader uh, in one of the first ones. And then uh, the re most recent one was all about second edition 40K and how that sort of evolved from Road Trader to second edition. And the changes they made, why they made the changes, um, and the design process behind like the box, and that's how they came to the Epic Space Marine um, thing, where they, you know, that was the first one, and then Warhammer Fourth Edition, then Second Edition came with the same kind of um, layout and production process. Uh, but yeah, really insightful information in behind the scenes that we've. You know, we've been in the dark for, for all these years, but, you know, Rick is now, it's called, it's called Rick Spills the Beans, and that's exactly what he does. He really talks a lot. He, I think about like two, over two hours, they talked about stuff. So it was great. Um, yeah. I think I heard the Rogue Trader one and how it all came together as, as first, uh, but I didn't know they made others with uh, Rick. He's, he's such a passion, yeah, passionate chap about what he did back then and he's really into sharing the info which is quite always good for us who want to know more about it and it's very enjoyable to to listen to these guys yeah i, I think it's great that rick really wants to open up and talk to people because well i've actually contacted him on messenger and i said you know rick this is our fanzine you know would you be interested in coming on and and talking to us at some point unfortunately he hasn't replied so i don't know whether he's just sort of done with talking about <laughs> the 90s mm -hmm. games and that kind of thing, which I can totally understand. I mean, there comes to a point where these guys just think, I've just done one too many interviews already and maybe it was just a missed opportunity. But fortunately, there are other people uh, that were linked to the studio who work there that are willing to come on and talking about their experiences and that kind of thing. So that's really good. I think they've become very popular. Um, Within the Hero Hammer magazine, yeah, by the way, Awesome work. It's just incredible. It's such a pleasure to read what you guys are pulling off. It's it, it's really big. It's really big. Uh, it looks very professional. It's I'm amazed. I, I was truly amazed with the, the first with the first issue. And the second issue was totally on par with it. It's brilliant stuff.
Well, thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate that. Uh, that's yeah, mainly down to um, a good handful of people that put you know put some submissions of their articles and that kind of thing. And then there's another team of people in in behind the scenes that are like proofreading everything, making sure everything's sort of laid out and um, uh, everything's good to go uh, in the production side of stuff. And then we've got our main man. Angel uh, in Spain, who's doing all the graphic design and layout. And um, so he's got the full brunt of the, the hard work really essentially. And we've got the pleasure of just making the articles and you know, taking the photographs and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's been really great. So it's been a good journey. Now, people might've been wondering, hey, where's the third, where's the third issue? You said it was bi-monthly. Unfortunately, we've just come into a stage where things have just got a lot busier for a lot of other people. And we've it's in production, but we just haven't got everything finalized yet so it will be coming but probably i don't know maybe early next year i'd say because now it's december we're way past yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, october which which was the this one was supposed to come out so hopefully early next year we'll come out with another big big issue but december is always a very busy time for everyone so uh, i understand i mean you you guys are doing it on your free time which is really cool for us to enjoy so we we're patient we're patient <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i hope to have some more fourth edition content it, you'll you'll notice that the the layout of the magazine is very much centered around that time like early 90s 90 91 um so the the graphic layout of it is very much based on those very early white dwarves that we you know i got my mm -hmm. first white dwarf at 147 how about yourself man what 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 white dwarf was your first one well it, it's it all began with White Dwarf, but in a very unsuspected way, actually, because um, I was nine years old. We were in June 1994, and um, I had a very close friend back then. We were spending all our free time together. And one day he calls me. We were living like maybe 200 meters away from each other, maybe 300 meters. Our houses, respective houses, were really close. And he calls me on Saturday and says, man, you need to get over to my place. There is something really interesting I need to show you. I had no idea what, we, what he was talking about. And I get to his place and he hands over a magazine. And that was issue 10 of uh, the French White Dwarf. So if we convert it, uh, if we convert it to the English uh, schedule, that would be 183, something like that, I guess. And he said he picked the magazine in the in the shop because he found the cover intriguing. And we were just amazed by what we saw inside the magazine, but we had no really idea what, what, what it was, what it was about. And he said, well, I flipped through it. And from what I understand, I can tell you that apparently these are miniatures that you need to paint. And then you can have games with them, like some sort of uh, chess but much more complicated and weird with plenty of rules. And we were just amazed and flipping through the, the pages. Uh, you know, at the end of the, back then in White Dwarfs, you had galleries with minis and I saw storm vermins and that was it. My soul belonged to Games Workshop from that on. I saw the, I saw the storm vermins and the plague monks. And I was like, this is just incredible. And I want to know more about this. And from that, I never looked back. And I became obsessed with it very quickly. Uh, and it's, uh, from, yeah, from then it's never stopped. When I was in junior high school, I really wanted to, to work for Games Workshop. It was, that would have been the dream job. And I had no idea that years later, almost 15 years later, I would actually work for Games Workshop. But the thing is that my, I, was a, I was a young uh, child and my parents didn't like that at all. They didn't really understand what it was about. And um, I was truly obsessed with it up to the point that my grade at school would suffer from it. I was just thinking about Games Workshop, uh, the games, the miniatures, and my, I had no pocket money. And I think that's why as well, it fueled the obsession in the sense that since I couldn't buy anything, and the only material I could get my hands on what were, was what my friend would give me, like white dwarfs or things like that, it made the thing uh, unaccessible. And I think it fueled the obsession further because I couldn't get my hands on it. 
So I had to wait until I was uh, working as a waiter when I was 16, you know, during the summer to make a bit of money. And that's how uh, I started to buy my first miniatures. So it was sixth edition uh, for Fantasy Battle. And I started to collect the army that always um, fascinated me, which was uh, the Skaven. And so I started to collect Skaven in sixth edition. And so for from fourth edition until sixth edition, I was just flipping through white dwarfs without being able to purchase any mini or to purchase paints or anything. So it was yeah, something more intellectual than practical back then. Okay, well, it's, it's sort of very similar. It reminds me of my kind of, you know, my high school days, I suppose, or not junior high, but high school days. I was really obsessed like you were with, um, with flipping through the White Dwarf magazines because we couldn't really afford to buy a lot of this stuff or it was just wasn't accessible in our area mm -hmm. or whatever. So yeah, it was a really interesting sort of, you know, a reflection on your childhood and that uh, later you got to, uh, uh, got to buy your dream army. So you, you started off with the Skaven and have you, have you actually, can I ask you what, uh, what miniature was the first miniature that you bought? Um, it was, I can't remember for which occasion, but I think it was um, the first miniatures I actually got were during fifth edition, it was a single um, box of uh, Bretonian archers. The thing is that since my parents were not really into um, Warhammer at all, I mean, I remember my father storming once in my room and tearing apart a white dwarf from my friend because he was so pissed at my grades. And he thought that um, Warhammer was responsible for that. So he was really pissed. And my parents were not really keen on buying me anything from, from that company. So um, once in a while, they would let me indulge in a box like that uh, from here, yeah, a box here and there, but I couldn't gather an army at all. And when I was finally able to purchase uh, with my own money I made as a waiter, um, there was the, the closest uh, Games Workshop store was 200 kilometers away from the place I lived. And they agreed on driving me there because it was the, 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 well, the anniversary of the shop. So they made great sales and they made great deals. So the first time I could really actually buy something from Games Workshop, I bought a whole army of Skaven. So plenty of clan rats, uh, the army book, plenty of uh, plastic regiments. There were uh, uh, clan rats, of course, slaves, metal slave, blisters. I, I left with a whole army of 2,000 points of, of Skaven, actually. That's amazing. What, what do your parents think about it now? Well, um, they obviously changed their mind about it because was it, uh, it was almost um, in 2010. So yeah, a bit over than 10 years ago, um, after finishing my, my studies, I moved to Nice and uh, eighth edition was being released and I called the store in Nice. So near, we are near the Italian border in the South of France. And uh, I called the, the Games Workshop store and I asked for them to put aside a starter set of the eighth edition, which was the Island of Blood. And when I went in the store to actually pick the, the box, um, the, we, we started to have a chat with the store manager and he told me that he was looking for a staff uh, to work with him. And that's how I started to work for Games Workshop. First as what they called back then a key timer, which was I was working in the Friday, um, Saturday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon. And little by little, I went from part-time to full-time and it lasted for three years before they, in 2013, they fired everybody uh, because that's the time where they closed all the European headquarters. So in Germany, in France, in Spain, in Italy, all the respective studios uh, and clo closed because they were trying to make cuts on the budgets. And so we were all fired uh, at that time. And so for three years, I worked as a staff for Games Workshop. And so my parents were kind of forced to acknowledge the fact that, well, actually I, I was making a, li a living out of, my, uh, out of my passion. And so they've changed their mind. 
uh, their minds on that. But and so now now they just go along with the flow. They they don't have a word to say anymore on that. In, in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they let they yeah they just go with the flow. I think my father said if if I'd spent as much time studying as I did painting models, I'd be an absolute genius by now. I think there's some kind of science, <laughs> some Nobel uh, Prize-winning scientist or something by now. But um, it wasn't to be, I'm sad, yet sadly. But yeah, I, I can understand that, mate. You know, when, when you've got when you've got that sort of burning passion or something, you know, something that really drives you. Um, in this case, it was your hobby, and I think that's a wonderful thing that you can, if you can turn that into a job or some kind of career later on. Yep. Um, you know, and it happens in, well, it not happens to everybody, but it does, if some people are very lucky that they can do that um, and make a living out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have loved to make a, to, to make a career out of it, but unfortunately, yeah, yeah I, I, I got in the Games Workshop company at the wrong time, so... I was lucky enough to uh, to meet uh, Jess Goodwin and to meet John Blanche for a games day. I actually spent an evening with Jess Goodwin drinking cheap red wine in a hotel lobby and smoking hand-rolled tobacco, which was, um, it, it was a funny night. I'll remember it for my whole life. And oh, yeah. the app was, was very accessible. I mean, it was very easy to talk with him and we had a great time. He is a genius, isn't he, Jess? I mean, yeah. I'll one of the most underrated figure in the Games Workshop roster, in my opinion, in the sense that when you ask people who's their favorite uh, sculptor uh, is, most of the time the Perry Twins come up, you'll have uh, Kevin Adams to come up as well, uh, you'll have uh, the Marauder studio, but Jess Goodwin hardly ever comes up as first. And yet, uh, you just need to flip through the, maybe you've, you, you have the book, you know, the Gothic and the Eldritch? That's, um, it's, oh, it's a book? It's, it's an art book, yes. Yeah. And, and when, you, when you have a look at this, you understand that how massive and how central Jess Goodwin influence is uh, when it comes to the design of the miniatures, may it be in Fantasy Battle, may it be 40K, he basically sculpted every single Space Marine for second edition. I mean, it's it's just yeah. His um, legacy is is just incredible. He's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. His Eldar, his second edition Eldar, are still, in my opinion, the best range Games Workshop ever produced, and they are still so uh, up to what they do today. They don't feel uh, they don't feel old at all when you put their minis, his minis, um, yeah, side by side with the modern ones. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I, I think hands down, you know, he was um, almost like an enigma. Like he he just was so just so talented that um, I think anything he did, anything he touched, he could just turn it into something incredibly like so so good that you know I think people. Was sort of left like left in his shadow. I think I don't know what it is about Jez, but he, you know he's got this really creative mind. Like I say, he's got this amazing sketchbook that he comes up with all these ideas, and then he sort of displays it down into these wonderful illustrations, which you can still see in a lot of publications, like especially for Road Trader and um, Second Edition and mm -hmm. White Dwarf publications, especially the Elder. Um, and you know he basically, you know, from the ground up decided you know on all the color schemes what what colors they were going to be um you know what they were going to look like and you know the rules probably just followed suit i don't know whether he created the eldar and then they made rules to suit his descriptions or the illustrations or was the other way around i'm not really sure but he had a you know a big part in um in in, in that and plus the space marine chapters and all that kind of stuff i think or that just the, the design and look at of, of what they were going to look like um, the banners, you know, like the chapter banners and all that kind of thing. I think he drew all those and designed all those as well. Uh, the iconography is all probably his part as well. So apparently he does have a sketchbook in his studio when he was working there. He must also still have it. But just imagine just sitting down and reading through it or just flipping oh, through yeah. the pages of that, just, you know, being totally absorbed by um, all his creativity. It'd be quite mind-blowing, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it would be. Uh, it it's incredible how one, well, 
it, it, of course, it's a team, but I'm just amazed at how the, the Tyranids as well, the Sisters of Battle, the, the different Imperial Guards, the main Imperial Guard regiments, he designed that uh, almost, well, he's, he led the ground for all that. It's, it's really mind-blowing. It's really mind-blowing. And he's still there. What, what, what leaves me baffled is that he's still there. And he's still um, supervising so many things that's happening in terms of design, miniature designs at Games Workshop right now. We're talking 30 years later. Yeah, I, st I still think the Woodorf army he designed and the Skaven are still some of the best. Skavens are completely his work. Yes, the Skaven, yeah. he basically Actually, created, yeah, created, he created out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Um, and I still, I still think they're hands down the best designed Skaven ever made um, of any range that superseded them. I still I still think his, I think they're 1985, 1986 designs. 85, yeah, um, 85. Because I know they were featured in that Heroes for War Games book and that's where I first saw um, a lot of the, uh, the metal models that he designed for it. And I was just blown away by like the, 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 the date on it. It's like 1984, 95, I can't exactly remember, but... Yeah, but yeah, 95. 95, uh, was it? Sorry. Okay. 85. Yeah, 85. 85, 85. Yeah. 85. But yeah, but I was just totally, totally blown away by the um, the character of them. And I wasn't a big Skaven person, but I really liked the the amount of different designs that he could produce of a range. Like there were must, must be, like, I don't know how many in total, but at least 30, 40 different uh, variants. You could get maybe 50 different variants or models. Um, yep. So extensive. So, and I think, luckily, I think between both of us, we've probably got all of them now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to uh, Steven, I think um, I like I like a lot of Jess Goodwin work, but um, the thing is that I've um, since I started in the '90s, I have uh, a bit of a struggle to relate to what was produced in the '80s. They um I, I can feel the when I when I talk about uh, on on Facebook for example with people who knew the eighties they and uh, who actually practiced the Games Workshop games during the eighties late eighties I can feel the difference between them and I in the sense that they are fueled with much more passion than I am about this period because I actually didn't really know it. And when it comes to Skaven, for example, I'm a much bigger fan of what Colin Dixon did later in the, in the 90s for the fourth edition army book. His Storm Vermins and Plague Monks, for example. I, I really love them. I'm, I'm a big fan as Colin Dixon as well, uh, as a sculptor. I love his dwarves. I love his um, dark elves. And... I love Jess Goodwin's work, but his Skaven, I'm less of a fan. I don't, I don't really like the proportions of the minis. I think it, I, I really enjoy his um, augers from the eighties. His 15 augers are just mind blowing, but I don't really like the proportions on the Skaven. I, there's something clumsy about them in my, in my eyes. And I prefer the more, um, yeah, I, I prefer the more modern uh, Colin Dixon sculpts. I'm, yeah, I'm totally the opposite on it. Um, even though I really like Colin Dixon's work, yeah, I really couldn't get into Escaven. I've got I've got uh, a few of those as as plague monks, and I think they're the only models I actually have of his. Um, okay. The rest the rest of the models I'm just not a big fan of at all. I much rather Jez's stuff. But yeah, I think Jez's. I know I know what you mean. There's there's definitely a different difference in scale. Like the Colin Dixon ones were just beefier because of the period. The 90s made the models a bit bigger and Jez is mm -hmm. more very, um, well, they look very frail and they look like, you know, they, they essentially look like rats in tattered cloth. I mean, that's basically what they are, rat men in tattered cloth and they look very diseased and plagued. And yeah, you know, they're not sort of hunched over. They're sort of, they're sort of, I know the scale wise, they're a little bit different. I, I think the ogres he did were brilliant. Um, and all the character models that Jez did were just, uh, hands down the best um yeah yeah but I, I appreciate both both of them but yeah i i don't mind colin dixon's storm vermin actually i probably would need a few of those to, to bolster up my, my storm vermin unit but yeah you, I, uh, yeah, you've, yeah you've painted already a few of them didn't you? I've, I've already painted yeah i've sort of painted them 
and many many years ago when I played Advanced HeroQuest, and then I now repainted right. them in the in the sort of the Codex colors for fourth edition, so they've got all the red, um, yep. you know, the red hal halberd staff shafts and um, black and red shields and that kind of thing. So, uh, but what you say about um, Jess Goodwin Skaven looking like rats is actually I, I completely agree with you, and that's one thing that the people who are um, defenses, if I may say, of Jess Goodwin's Caven. They always say the same thing. And I completely agree with the fact that Jess Goodwin's Caven are actually the only one who, which look like Skaven. Colin Dixon's ones look more, they look like kind of goatish. And yeah, the they do actually, yeah. Later, <laughs> uh, look like um, monkeys more than the, mm. the, plastic, the six edition plastic um, clan rats, which are actually a pain in the ass uh, to glue together mm -hmm. because there's so many, so many pieces to, to put together. They look like monks, you know, with these big hands, just like the high elves from six edition. That was one of the syndromes of six edition, the big hands. The, yes, that's right. And high elves as well had massive hands. And the chaos they're hunchback. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because they're like really hunched over and I'm not really keen on that aesthetic choice, but that's no, why I like Jesus, because they're all, they're all sort of standing up straight or upright. Um, and their faces are more elongated, so they, they look very more pointy and more sharp, more menacing, I think. And I think you're right with um, Colin Dixon's ones. They're very, they look like little... They look too cute to be Skaven, to be honest. They're, they're, I, I like, I, you know, I like, I, I've got an affection for the, the Plague Monks that he did. I, I think they look really nice with the Jez ones all mixed together. But yeah, there's certain, certainly different different aesthetic uh, proportions to them that made them a little bit different um, to Jez's ones, so. Yeah, but in general, Colin Dixon in general, sculpting is a bit chunky. Yeah. But, uh, just like with his um, dark elves as well, they are chunky. His dwarfs, I mean, his white dwarf especially is probably the chunkiest white dwarf we have. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I like it. I think it's, it looks good the way it does, but. Yeah, I wonder what actually happened to Colin Dixon, where he actually went. I don't know if he still works for Games Workshop or he left or I don't he, know. No, he left uh, apparently a long time ago. From what I could gather from the internet, he has, he's still sculpting though, because mm. Colin Dixon is actually the very first heavy metal painter ever paid, paid and recruited as such by Games Workshop. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Um, you can find um, rather easily uh, an interview of him on the internet. Oh. And he was actually the very first, he opened the heavy metal studio. Uh, he was the first hired oh. by Workshop to paint the minis in the late 80s, before he actually joined um, Marauder as a sculptor. Right. And the way, the, the reason why he was recruited, recruited is because he, um, he did amazing free hands on shields. And that's mm. what uh, Games Workshop's attention. All right. Okay. Interesting. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to actually ask him, uh, ask Colin, that is, who actually painted all the Marauder Dwarves? Because um, they're, uh, yeah. they're some of the, the, my favorite paint jobs ever. Um, they, know, they are brilliant, brilliant, both in terms of sculpting and painting. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, Ali, Ali, Ali designed them, obviously, but I don't know if Ali actually painted those or whether Colin did them because they're very, they're very, they're, they're, the, the faces, especially. Um, I, I just can't get them. I just can't get my dwarves looking exactly the same as that, but very nat naturalistic kind of tones to the, to the, to the cloth and clothing and um, their faces were just per perfect. You know, they were so well done. Um, yeah, that's true. I agree. Very expressive. Yes, very much. So they, they captured every single line and, and every single, um, um, what do you call it, uh, crease or um, wrinkle on their faces and that kind of thing. All those, yeah, perfectly done. Yeah, so I wonder if um, Colin actually painted those then. It'd be fun, fun to ask him anyway. I, I, I don't know. Uh, for that, I don't know. I think um, Ali Morrison, just like, you know, John Blanche, they have a very mm. distinct when you read interviews or you see pictures of their minis, they have such a distinctive style. Um, 
and Ali, just like John Blanche, was really into converting and everything. Mm. Um, I don't know if he if he if he painted these uh, these dwarfs. They look very neat, you know, very clean to me, which was yeah. a bit far from Ali's uh, Ali's style of painting, but. Yeah, so yeah, a lot, a lot of good history there. Uh, but going back to Jez Goodwin, yep. I mean, I, I think, um, well, for myself anyway, you know, the first box set I ever bought from Games Workshop was, or well, apart from Regiments and Renown, was the um, Warhammer 4th edition box set. And in it was some beautifully designed high elves by Jez Goodwin himself. Yes. And that sort of sparked on me forming my very first army, which were the classic fourth edition high elves designed exclusively by by Jez Goodman. Oh, they had some marauder miniatures in there as well, but uh, most of most of it was uh, Jez Jez's work. I have a question about that regarding this because mm -hmm. um, I've been flipping through the the catalogs recently, and some on some editions, if you look at the at the name, you know, at the bottom of the page, you yeah. see that. 98% of the minis were sculpted by Jess Goodwin. And on some others, you have the name of Ali Morrison and Colin Dixon appearing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a bit confused about this because, for example, Swordmasters, I, I have the 90, is it 1996 catalogs at home. Yeah. They say it's Jess Goodwin. But if really? you through the pages of the 1998 catalog, they say it's both Colin Dixon and Ali Morrison who sculpted them. Okay, well, the, the, the sword masters of fourth edition were definitely marauder miniatures, as well as the white lines of uh, Trace, Chase, yeah, Trace, yeah. and the Shadow Warriors were designed by marauder miniatures, and one of the command units, um, which had like the white, basically the white lines and the sword master champion, and a yep. standard bearer and a musician, they were just designed by Marauder Miniatures as well. Um, right. And of course, the Eltharian Griffin was done by Trish. Yeah, Trish Morrison. But... And the Pegasus done by her as well. Um, but everything else, to my knowledge, it's all done by Jez. Everything else was done by Jez. All right. All right. But, you know, please comment to pr prove that I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's No, that's no, no, I was wondering. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that's, I was, that's wondering, I was yeah. about to ask the, the the question on the on the Facebook group if everybody could enlighten me on that, but you've just done it, so I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, I think the yeah I, I remember the distinctly the um, the the photos of the catalog pages in the White Dwarf magazines, and you know obviously the the style is distinctly different too because the Marauder ones are much more chunkier, and I really like the yep. Sword Masters, uh, the not Sword Masters, the um, Shadow Warriors. And the sword masters too. Um, Absolutely, I completely wonderful you. designs. Yeah. Um, back in last year, basically, I to be to be um, to tell the whole story, I I made a break from Games Workshop games and everything from for seven years from 2013 until lockdown in 2020. Mm. And um, in 2020, I had zero mini from the 90s period of Games, Games Workshop. Everything I had was uh, from 2010 and afterwards. And I decided to sell everything so I could rebuy everything from the 90s. And um, at first, I didn't really like the Sword Masters. I, I wanted to, to collect an army of high elves and I didn't really like the Sword Masters because I found them too chunky. And I actually had to have one in my hands to see just how good they were looking. And I was completely, well, now it's, they are my favorite ones and they yeah. look actually so good yeah. because they are very, um, the number of detail, the detail they have is very subtle and it's not over the top, you know, the swords are not too fancy or anything. It's very simple and they go straight to the points and they look absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I like how they're sort of leaning into their sword kind of thing. That the, the the weight of the sword is <laughs> making them sort of fall to one side. I really like that uh, about them yep. as well. But yeah, I, I love those miniatures. I think they're just wonderful. Um, so, and they sort of fit right in with everything else too. You know, even though they're 
they're quite chunky. They're not as slender as the Jez Goodwin uh, design models, but yeah, they have their place. They have their, um, you know, I suppose it's just imprinted on our minds, I guess, from that period. But I can't, I can't use any other. I can't use the sixth edition Swordmasters, for example. It just wouldn't, no, just wouldn't work I. for me. Yeah, it, it, yep. I know that. I know they're beautifully designed miniatures. They're very well, like beautifully crisp, detailed uh, minis. But yeah, for me, that it just doesn't. It's not the same. It just won't work. Yep. Yeah. Just same with the Gary Morley's one. I like oh, Gary. Morley, yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't like them either. They. Yeah. Put them when you put them side by side with the fourth edition. The difference in size is just massive, mm. and they, they are yeah. I, I don't like them either. And sixth edition, it's the same. I'm not. I'm not into that. Yeah. But as a nice segue, <laughs> you have a painting competition about to start. Well, not a competition. Sorry, it's a challenge. It's a fourth edition it's a challenge. Yeah. It's fourth edition painting challenge. I, I've got to, I always say competition. I don't know why. It's the first thing that springs to my mind, but it's a challenge because it's not a competition. It's not a race. It's not like who's the best painter. It's kind of like get your models together and, you know, these are the rules and the, this is the timeline and this is when we start and, you know, get your entries in. And if you're lucky enough, you, you're in and you were away from, I think, January 1st. Is that right, mate? Yes, absolutely. January uh, the 2nd. Uh, okay. Yeah, so so people have time, you know, to recover. <laughs> recover. Uh, Christmas, yeah, 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 New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. So um, yes, yes, that's you're you're quite correct, and I and I agree with you. I don't like the the word challenge. I use it though, but it seems to be the the, the term in English. In French, we we would call that such an event, uh, a call to arms. That's that's how they, you know, the tale of four gamers. They used yeah. to publish. Off, you know, yep. well, they, they called that uh, a call to arms in the French in the French edition of the White Dwarf. Right, and and, and like, I like I like the term. I like the term. It's because mm. it's not about a competition. It's about uh, gathering a bunch of people, and so we can have fun uh, painting. The thing is, I'm I'm not uh, teaching you anything here. You you know that more than me. Uh, um, we have uh, we have busy lives, and it's always it's sometimes a struggle to to find time to paint. And I really enjoyed participating in you know Kowabunga, Doctor Viking uh, painting challenge for Forty K Second Edition. And I thought, well, it's a great thing, um, and I would like to do the same. But uh, most of the time, in groups that deal with fourth and fifth edition together. It's 90% of the time about fifth edition because uh, people play more to fifth edition than fourth for whatever reasons. Um, and so I thought I, I, I want to concentrate more on fourth edition. And since Dave Gilson uh, made, a, uh, he made a fourth edition uh, Facebook group, I thought, well, uh, I talked with Dave. I had a chat with Dave and I thought, well, would you, would you be interested in, in me running a fourth edition painting uh, challenge or call to arms? And said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, go for it. That would be that would be good. It's not the most um, original, crazy idea out there, but uh, at least uh, people answered very positively. I was really surprised. I limited it to fifteen seats, and I thought, well, if we are five, I'll be very happy. And actually, mm -hmm. we are fifteen to to participate. So I'm I'm quite thrilled. And the good thing is that every single army is represented." Uh, there were 10 factions back then in fourth edition and we'll have the 10 factions represented. So it, it's mm. great. I'm that's pretty right. happy with that. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah some people actually asked me when there were just a few seats left, tell me which uh, armies haven't, haven't been picked up yet so I can pick it. And I thought that's very, uh, this sense of self-sacrifice is deserve respect. <laughs> that's right, uh, honor to them. So yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous that they have a range of armies to choose from in case there wasn't an army represented. So bravo to them. Yes. I mean, uh, if you're in that position, uh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have done it myself. I, at the moment, I only have, uh, I have a few armies, but I have High Elves, Wood Elves, Dark Elves, Skaven, um, and I'm gathering as well Dwarfs and Chaos at the moment, but... Undead, uh, Chaos Dwarfs, and um, Orcs and Goblins are going to be so expensive together. 
Mate, I can imagine. Yeah, the the orc and yeah. goblins. I don't know how anybody would want to. Well, if you if you think about starting getting a night goblin army, just just with night goblins, um, they're just never ever sold. You just never see them on the on a trading group. Yeah. Um, I don't know about eBay. I, I try to stay away from that. Um, that from eBay altogether. But I, I'd imagine that people are paying, you know, five times more than what they were priced originally. So yes. It's so expensive. Well, say, and thank Gork, I never but, sold mine, basically. Thank Gork. I never sold, yeah, yeah, never yeah. sold them. <laughs> but people, people are, not, are not wanting to sell them anyway. Because apparently, right. from what I heard, they, they didn't really sell back then, back in the days, in the 90s. Because people were so happy to have the plastic ones, because you could make big regiments out of them for dirt cheap. That the ones sculpted by Kevin Adams never really took off and never really sell. Which is funny because the spearmen aren't actually night goblins, they're goblins. So only yes. the archers, only the archers were night goblins. Absolutely. And yeah. but apparently people would buy, you know, just the front the front rank mm. of the Kevin Adams night goblins and the rest will be filled with the plastic goblins. Back then these plastic goblins were so as a huge improvement. So oh yeah. They're fine. Right. Uh, yeah, they're great. Very dangerous, yeah. though. Very dangerous because you can bleed yourself out from the tip of their spears. But yeah, tell me about it. I think I've I've I've, uh, I've injured myself several times when um, <laughs> uh, yeah painting those bloody uh, high off spearmen. That's for sure. But yeah, they still stand up to the test of time. I actually prefer the monopose plastics to all these modern plastics. Like you say, with you know multiple pieces. And they look like just a headache um, and all this detail and that kind of stuff. They're not really toy soldier, like wargaming miniatures for me. I, I much prefer something that's very simple in its design, easy to paint. Yep. Um, you know, doesn't take me a week to paint one of them. I can get five done in an evening or, you know, a few days or whatever. Um, yep. Yeah, much more appealing to me. So. So yeah, yeah. Actually, it's going to be very hard to gather a an army of uh, of orc and goblins. And it's quite mm -hmm. funny when on the sale sale pages uh, uh, on on Facebook when people are saying, "Well, I would like to buy you know some um, Kevin Adams goblins," and people are just laughing and say, "Well, here's the queue. Take a ticket. You're number three thousand four hundred seventy-five." Yeah. So um, I was really happy to see that um, Yeppe from Denmark. He's got another yes, batch of us. mate. He's got so many orphan goblins; it's uh, just insane. Like he's got another batch of orphan goblins to do for this one. He did the Call of the Crown. Um, yep, with a thousand his massive, points of Call of the Crown. Yeah. So I'm very impressed to see that he's got another batch of beautifully, uh, yeah, untouched, unpainted uh, goblins. I think some forest goblins and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so amazing. So I'm really looking and as well to see a. Orc uh, shaman, no uh, orc shaman on war. Yeah, yeah, so cool. Good luck so with the banners there. Yep, because I, I gave up on my mate. The banners just drove me nuts. I, I actually, I actually had two copies of that um, the orc and goblin uh, army book, and in the oh, end right. of all the frustration, I just took the uh, the like the second edition, like the second printing one, basically, and cut out the banners, and glued <laughs> them onto the model. Which would be absolute heresy to many people listening to this, but I've still got yes. my I've still got my original, Including original me. first print. I've got my original first print, all which right. is untouched. The second one, which the first one, the first print, the ones I really want because they have all the catalog pages in the back. The second prints don't have that. They have like the thousand right. lists in the back of it, which is different. If people didn't know that, um, and then there's the whole issue of like well the 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 issue of um, the different countries like you know the german edition or italian editions had different pages and different pictures and what have you but basically the first first prints had the catalogs and they're the ones i really want so luckily i have all of those and then i had another orphan goblin book which was in really good condition uh, but it was the second one which had the thousand point list in the back so i thought i thought you know what the hell i i i need to get this this stuff painted before we play the um uh, before we played the scenario, I think it was a battle for Blood Axe Pass or something like that. I don't know what it was. Uh -huh. But I just cut them out, glued them on there, and I thought, that's it. If you can do it, mate, go for it, because I, I just haven't got the patience for those uh, for those particular banners on that on that Wyvern. Um, yeah, really, really hard. 
I don't know how. I don't know how. I think Ali Morrison or Kev Adams painted that. I'm not really sure, but whoever oh, did right. it is a bloody genius. I'd love to know yes. how they did it. Um, and I've seen a few people who are doing it, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how um, Yepe sort of tackles that and how how he goes about it. He's a much better painter be... and, and model than I am. So. Oh, all right. Would you would you say that? Yeah, yeah. Yepe's like Yepe is like Orhan Goblin stuff is the best. Orhan Goblin army I've ever seen. His skin tones are just. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree on that. That he's yeah his orcs orcs and goblins are just amazing. But you yourself uh, are an amazing painter as well. You 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 need to be aware of that at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I some, sometimes I hit the mark, and sometimes I'm sort of like falling a bit short. But then I think. You know, it's it's my impatience in, in the end of the day. It's like, okay, well, they look good enough to me on the tabletop. Um, so it's yeah, it's good enough. But um, yeah, things like the throne of power, I'm really I'm really pleased with uh, how that turned out because it's one of my favourite models of all time. I still got to do the banners for that still though. But um, yeah, some models I just and and some of the Skaven models too. I really hit the mark on those. That I, I felt really really happy with them uh, at the end. Um, some of the characters and that kind of thing. And some like, yeah, my goblins and all that kind of thing, you know, they're, they're painted back in the nineties. I'm, I'm still happy with how they look even all these, all these years on from now, but uh, I really enjoyed painting the stone trolls. I never had those or the river trolls. I never had those before. Beautiful models. Um, really good models, lovely yeah. stuff. The Grom model I'm really happy with. So yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta take, you know, um, and the high off stuff, the, the stuff I'm doing now, um, it may it may turn out to be the best stuff I've ever painted. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 that'll be part of the challenge, I think, for me to paint up like a real like top notch um, army. Because usually I'm sort of painting at speed to get them on the table. This one I can sort of take my time and and really try to reach you know the the top levels that um, that I really want to get to with the highs. Because when you're painting Jezgood and stuff, you need to hit the top levels. You know, it's not like you can't paint a Jezgood model. Um, quickly, uh, you can quickly. do it with Skaven. You can do it with Skaven. You got you got tricks and sort of you know shortcuts to get around things. But with with with, um, with painting high white, they are too neat for that. Yeah, with high yeah. elves you can't do it. With, with Jez's stuff, you just can't do it. Um, with goblins, you got again shortcuts. You can get around with it. But yeah, high elves need you know, a, a certain discipline. I think you need for that. I I completely agree with you. I, I think uh, it also comes from the fact that white is one of the main uh, color of their color schemes and white is such an unforgiving paint and color to paint. So just a bit like yellow, but I think white is even harder because it's so easy to make it look off with if you are not top-notch on painting white. It's, it's one of the thing I'm, for example, very disappointed with uh, my um, Bieltan Eldar army, the white is really not on par with what I wanted. It's so, so difficult to paint very neatly white. Well, I'm going to give you a tip that I recently discovered, and hopefully this will help yourself and anybody else. I'm going to get the paint out ears. myself. Just give me two seconds. It's just in my painting drawer. I think it's called uh, Verdigris. I think that's the color from... Um, the game color range from Vallejo. And I recently picked this up and I never used it. And I had it sitting there because I think I just picked it up because I looked at the colors and said, oh yeah, that might be quite cool for something, you know, down the track. And had it sitting in my painting painting drawer and I never used it. And I was painting white one day and I thought, and actually I, I saw another person's uh, really good painter from I think Sweden, um, but uh, Patrick, I think his name is, I could, could get that wrong. I'm really sorry if I do, but really good painter. He did some stuff for the Call of the Crown, but unfortunately couldn't finish. He did some high old stuff and he had some oh, white yes. lines of trash. Oh yes, his IELTS, his, yes. Yes, his are just brilliant. I, I know really good. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. I think most people do, um, but I he used yes. some kind of like a verdigris color, like a really yeah, uh, yeah. light. Like a watered down green. Right, exactly. So I looked at that and I thought, so oh, beautiful. That's, a, that's a good so painting beautiful. hack. That's a really good painting hack. I didn't really think of that. That's a really good one. So I thought, I'm going to try because I've got that vertebrae color and I haven't used it. So I'm going to put that as using as like a test for a, to doing white. And I tell you what, mate, it bloody works. You just use this vertebrae as like a base over your white primer 
All okay, right. so give that a layer. And you might give it, make it two, because it, it's actually, it's not so thin, so it'll, it'll cover, it's got good coverage on the verdigris for, from the game color. And then from there, you basically just get white. I've got some white ink, which is like an artist ink. It's from F, FW, which is like a, a British made um, artist ink. But if you can get white ink, I'd recommend uh, mixing that with your white paint. And then just basically just go over the top of the verdigris on the highlights and just leave the verdigris in the in the in the recesses of your model. And it mm -hmm. works beautifully. I've done it for all my all my high off plastics and um, I did it on the barding of a of a of a horse uh, not not so long ago and it works a treat. So thank you very much, Patrick, for that. That's a that's a really good painting hack, that one for white, because white's a real bugger. And when I first got my plastic um, high holes for my box set. I couldn't paint white, so I painted everything blue. I painted all their uh, all their um, all right, yeah, all the uniforms in blue to make them all sea guard because white was just an absolute pain in the butt. So I, I just couldn't. It's very hard, yeah. Blue. It's very hard to nail. But it's quite funny because these these uh, hiles from Patrick really inspired me as well. And um, what I did is that I'm actually I, I won't spoil anything, but I'm actually painting a mini for the uh, one. I've painted several ones, but for the Golden Hammer. Oh, painting because cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. this one is a painting competition and i've tried to emulate his style but i did it the old-fashioned way with code d'arms paints uh it's tough to get where he got just with uh playing on the dilution of your paints with uh blending and everything it's 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 a tough way to go and so i'm not very happy with the results but uh i'll submit it anyway you know what, what matters is that I participate. I, I'm not planning on winning anything there. Well, you never know, because, you know, again, it's not really, um, well, I know it's a painting competition, but it's not like, you know, people are going to be really um, observing everything under a, a microscope. It's kind of like, well, maybe it's more of a theme that you captured more than the actual uh, painting skill, technical skill, and in, 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 in such, because maybe you could be a really highly technical painter, painter, but the the paint job itself just doesn't have the soul that that model um, you know, is trying to capsulate. So, um, you know, if you look at like I like look at look at um, John Blanche's work, right? His painting, his miniature painting stuff. Yeah. You know, he's you know he's a really good painter, but um, you know, technically, it's not like Yes, like Mike Gray's level, but he captures yeah. something in his in his like his. I think he uses like enamel paints and a high gloss, like he uses like a gloss varnish uh, at the end. But there's something about those Chaos Marines that he painted uh, in that one of the White Dwarves uh, when Second Edition was out. And I think wow, Second Edition yeah. Codex as well. Yeah, got a whole um, yeah. A gallery of game of John's Blanche of John Blanche uh, work. Exactly, but he, you know, he found a technique and he found a style that when he paints stuff, paints stuff, it's like, wow, this really has, and he does conversions and that kind of stuff. But he, he, he really encapsulates a theme and a style that really makes a big impression on you. So yeah, um, yeah, and I, I feel the same way when you look at when I when when I went back and looked at a lot of white dwarves at golden demon entries and that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay, maybe this person wasn't the most technically gifted painter but he had some kind of um theme or some kind of style that really fitted what he was trying to uh -huh. what he's trying to do and um yes yeah that make it that uh -huh. can make a big difference so yeah don't be put off guys if you're thinking you're not the best painter just just paint something you really feel passionate about or really love and it will come through in your own sort of style so there you go yeah thanks for the heads up it's always good to know that <laughs> Yeah, we can we can enter without worrying too much about the level, but more about the atmosphere or the style. We yeah, I think I think that's important because I think a lot of people get put off by a painting competition. I think it oh, can be well, intimidating. Yeah. That's for it sure. Can be very intimidating. Yeah. So yeah. don't don't be intimidated. It's it's for fun. It's for you know for uh, for all the right reasons. Um, so we're just doing it to encourage people to paint their models and have a go at you know. Um, Hopefully, snagging. I don't know if this is there a prize. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just maybe just know. merit. Maybe just win on merit or something like that. But yeah, just be part of something that's it's fun in the community that people can get involved with and, and do something. And um, 
yeah, push themselves because you know, painting, painting competitions, it allows people to push themselves a bit further than they would normally do. Um, so that's always nice too, is you can push yourself to the limit and, and see how far you can go with something. So try new techniques, uh, yeah. yeah, to do things. It's, yep, yeah, that's what I like about it as well. Yeah, that's really, really good. Yeah, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to starting on the 2nd of January. Um, yeah, me too. It's going to be great fun. Yeah, and, I, and I'm really happy that, that all the all the armies are represented in this challenge. I think it'd be excellent. So um, if people want to follow what's happening with the challenge and um, the entries and that kind of thing, where should they go? Several uh, options are available. Uh, on the fourth edition Facebook, uh, Facebook group, that's for sure. There are as well a couple of uh, Hero Hammer Facebook groups, fourth and fifth edition. I'll be putting links over there and everything is on a blog with it's going to be a blog that's going to be about everything about the hero hammer period of games workshop but at the moment i will concentrate only on the on the gathering of mighty painters which is the name of the of this painting challenge so it's called the burping dragon inn and so if you type on google the burping dragon inn that would uh, the link should be uh, should be on the top of the of the page it's through it's through WordPress, is that right? The um, yes, that's the yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay, that's WordPress. Cool. So for now, okay. it's it's rather an empty shell, but it's going to be filled very quickly. Yeah, I'll have now, time between um, Christmas and New Year's Eve, so I'll have time to put uh, all the participants' pictures, starting pictures online with their introduction text and everything. So we'll be running by the second of January. Excellent, mate. I'll I'll definitely put the, all the links that we've mentioned so far in the show notes. So people who want to check those out, please look at the show notes and um, just go from there. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to be a very successful painting competition. Um, I'm already, I've already thought about the second army that I want to enter for the next one, if there is going to be, all right. one, which I'm sure there will be. There, uh, yes, yes, there will uh, most probably be a, a second run. And then, then I've got this, this dilemma of having to actually buy another army after that <laughs> to enter the third one. So, And it's a dilemma. A, it's a dilemma, but it's a nice dilemma. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Thinking and how, Chaos how, Dwarves. How, Chaos Dwarves. Oh, right. Chaos Dwarves. Thinking Chaos Dwarves, yeah, yeah. How does it work for you? How do you, when, when you say, okay, let's say, um, I, I start a new army, Chaos Dwarves. How do you how do you proceed? Do you make up an army list? Do you say I'll buy whatever I can find and then I'll use that to make up an army list? How does how do you yeah how do you plan things? Well, that's a good question, and I think it's due to your flexibility of your your challenge that allows me to sort of look at okay, well, for the is it like five months, and you've got like one one month that can be your um. Uh, what do you call it again? The the month that you don't have to do anything? Yeah, Mulligan. Mulligan, Mulligan, that's right. So you've got uh, one Mulligan, month, yeah. month and you've got five months where you know, it has to be like a unit, then like a war machine, then a unit, then a character, then a war machine, for example. So I can yep. look at that and say, well, actually, that's quite an affordable, you know, little s small package of, uh, of an army that I can get together. It doesn't have to be um, like, doesn't have to actually be like a legal list. It can yep. be. It has to be at least five models for a regiment, so I can get like five um, of the uh, Chaos Dwarf uh, Bull Centaur, for example. Um, I could get one War Machine, one of the characters on on one of the Lamatu or the the Great Chorus, for example. Um, I could get uh, an Earth Shaker Cannon as my War Machine entry, and have a regiment of you know like Hobgoblin Hobgoblin um, on uh, on wall, giant walls or something like that. And then it's becoming sort of the start of something that I can build towards in a further challenge down the road where I can get the second lot and it gives me some time to get some money together and, and make, make some contacts and, and get stuff prepared. So I really like the flexibility of your challenge and I think I'll be definitely in it uh, for as long as it's still around. So Okay, um, great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so high praise hasn't even started yet. But high yes, praise absolutely. Already. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> it hasn't started yet. <laughs> but as I've been talking to you, I've been looking at my cabinet just in front of me and all my white painted or unprimed um, high elves, and I'm really itching to get started, uh, mate, to be honest. Uh, but I do have yeah, Elfarin that's not in the competition, or in the challenge, sorry. So I might actually try to get him finished before we start. So, yeah, such so a great yeah. model. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great figure. Yeah. And I yep. actually stri I stripped back um, Teclas uh, today. I oh, have yeah. A, a Teclas from um, my good mate GJ in the Netherlands, if he's listening. Hey, mate, how are you going? Thank you very much for sending that to me. Um, we swapped some miniatures and he sent me one of those and it was painted. So I stripped it back in the stripper today and I cleaned it all up and it's such a gorgeous model. I still remember that white dwarf when they had the um, the preview of the, I think it was the the green uh, in the white dwarf from Jez Gooden. I hit that, mm -hmm. I think it was that one and um, Tyrion. I think Tyrion's one of my all time favorite models ever. Um, so classy, stern and very classy. Yeah. You can know how the determination, you can feel the determination of the guy just by looking at the mini. It's, it's and, crazy. And if you wanted some kind of like, uh, you know, God level of painting, look at Mike, Mike McVeigh's paint jobs of those two models. Yes. Yes. That, that is like kind of the, um, uh, you, you're reaching sort of uh, heavenly levels if you can get to those kind of uh, smooth lemons. But uh, I tell you what, a shout out to Whiskey and Wizards. If you follow him on Instagram or our Discord, check out the, um, the Tyrion News painting because, I mean, it's pretty amazing um the, the work he's doing with his uh with what one model anyway i don't i think that's the only model he's painting i don't know if it's for a commission or something like that i'm not sure but yeah he's sort of reaching okay. those kind of very very nice smooth uh blends and um uh, very similar to the to martin gavay's uh one so yeah very cool yep Mike McVeigh said that it was uh, a very difficult model for him to paint. I remember an interview of him in White Dwarf because mm -hmm. of the level of details, of very small details on the mini. Yeah. And, you know, you know that those models of photographs, like, you know, so they're zoomed up so close that uh, I think any painter sort of sweating on it because you just think, oh, no, I hope I've painted everything or there's no mistakes or anything like that. But mm. with Mike, it, you know, it's just guaranteed that it's going to be absolutely flawless. Yes. And then he finishes the models. So, yeah. No, mate, it's going to be good. It's going to be great to just get stuck into those models. I've got the Charioteer as well, which is one of my other all-time favourite uh, figures. Yeah, well, this range is quite legendary. Mm. Yeah, I think that sure. back then they they really gathered a bunch of uh, of guys who could sculpt miniatures that are really timeless, mm -hmm. and it changed a bit afterwards. Um, if you take, for example, if you make a parallel between uh, Kevin Adams' goblins and uh, uh, the next Brian uh, was yeah, Brian Nelson. They are great. They are very dynamic, but they all scream in the same way. Whereas yeah. <laughs> Kevin Adams, you know, he could yeah. make fake. He, he said in interviews that he loved sculpting faces. That's actually what got him into sculpting. It's mm -hmm. the faces, the expressions. And you can feel that when you see the minis. These green, these sarcastic, sadistic grins, you know, they all these goblins yeah. have just mischievous. Uh, it's it's perfect. It's it's really perfect, and you you kind of lost that afterwards. And same with uh, Ali Morrison. And well, Trish she lasted for much longer. She sculpted all the monsters for mm. a very long time at Games Workshop. But uh, Ali Morrison as well. He did a few a few sculpts that are brilliant. He's yes. Egrin van Ostman. Uh, is such a tremendous model. Yeah, mate, some really good treasures in there, isn't it? So it's got lot, lots of inspiration for people collecting and painting their models. Um, if you if you missed out on the on, on this particular challenge, there'll be other ones out there. If you if you're looking for something that you want to uh, that that it will inspire you to uh, get your armies painted, um, keep keep your finger on the pulse on uh, on Facebook or other social media because yeah, there's always ones popping up all the time, and you know, you might as well just jump in there and um grab grab your unpainted stuff or your, your lead pile and uh get cracking onto it and get some stuff painted so you can start playing some games with some painted models so which is always better <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i can't i can't paint paint with painted model uh, unpainted models 
with the exception of 2020 when I painted with some unpainted scaven, but you know, we won't talk about those dark days. But um, yeah, it was a big, big no-no for me, but uh, I did it I, anyway. I understand, <laughs> I understand. I couldn't wait, I couldn't wait anyway. I, I had to play the uh, screen bell and the, the Plague Monks unpainted, so, but uh, yeah. But anyhow, they're, they're painted now, almost, so. But um, yeah, the, the shame is uh, it's taken away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The shame's taken away. They're gonna they're gonna roll. They're, they're, they're probably gonna be really terrible in, in in battle now. So now that they're painted, I've broken that um, their good luck charm. Yep. But Jocelyn, but thank you very much again for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to well, talk to you and touch base because it's the first time. We've thank you for having me. Yeah, no, mate. Anytime, anytime. But um, it's really just to, to know about you know your history, and um, I hope your parents have gotten over the. <laughs> the trauma of uh, you in your in your um, miniature painting and uh, collecting uh, side of the hobby, and um, I'm sure your father's very regretful of tearing up that White Dwarf magazine. Which which issue was it, by the way? Do you know? Um, I can't remember, but I, I remember <laughs> how pissed my friend was, how pissed off he was. But it was your friend <laughs> when I told him, well, you know, my father got a bit angry and he had your white dwarf. It was like, what? <laughs> so, that was fun. Yeah, good funny. times now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's funny to reflect on it. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, mate. Will you take care and uh, enjoy your day yep. off? And uh, your day's evening. Thank you, mate. My son's just got home, so I'm going to see the Slotman King downstairs and see what he's up to. He's probably eating a bag of chips or something like that, no doubt. So, <laughs> okay, mate, take care. Thank you very you much. You too. Again. All right, mate. Goodbye. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye.